Well, thank you. That's just a little taste of what's happened over the last year. There's a lot more in between the lines, but, um, you know, with the choice of getting it into two minutes, I said, let's just do, let's put the baptisms in there. Let's do that because, I mean, that's life change happening right in front of our eyes. And so uh, we're so thankful for everything God's done over the last year. I know I didn't introduce myself earlier, but my name is John. And um, what I want to do today is not going to do a message as we would normally do, um, but today I just want to talk a little bit about Carolina Family Church and the journey God's brought us on um, to the point that we are today and where we're going from here. And I guess I know that a lot of you were here, some of you were here when we started a year ago. Um, Many of you weren't. And so you don't know, maybe don't know the story of the church and how it came to be. And uh, it's a long, long story. And I'm not going to tell the whole thing today. But I'll say that a couple of years ago, um, Jess and I were in a great ministry environment. We were with a church uh, called The Cove out in Mooresville. Um, but we were doing ministry in Mooresville, which is about 45 minutes from Salisbury, for, at least from where we live. And we were still living here in Salisbury, where we have lived since 2003, other than a short stint in, uh, in South Carolina. But um, we were living here, and our church family was 45 minutes away from us. And we realized that we couldn't keep going like that. We knew that we could not um, engage in the church and the, the kind of fellowship that we wanted to have and live this far away. My wife worked here. Our kids went to school here. We had lots of friends here. And then we had our life there. It's like we were trying to live two different lives. And we really felt like God was saying, it's time for you to choose where you're going to be. And it's one or the other, and I don't think he necessarily thought one or the other was right. You know, God doesn't have like that. I've never believed that God had a linear path mapped out for every single one of us, and we're either on it or we're not. I don't think it works that way. Um, I think God works a little bit more like a choose-your-own-adventure story. You ever read those? Anybody ever read those? You know, you know, I used to love those when I was a kid. You would, you would get to the end of a chapter, and it would say, choose to do this or choose to do that, and it would take you to you know, another page, and that would be a whole different story you could take. And I think a lot of times God does that. And he, he brought us to the end of one of those chapters, and he said, I want you guys, me and my wife Jess and our three kids, to choose, is your life in Mooresville or is your life in Salisbury? And so as we started thinking about that and we started praying about it, what we realized was that God had given us tons of relationships here. He had given us spiritual influence with people in the schools through Jess's job and in in our neighborhood that we were living in. And it became clear that he didn't want us to waste all that. And so we said, okay, God, we know that we're supposed to be here in Salisbury. But what are we supposed to do? (laughs) And so we started praying about that. And what God showed us, and this is a lot of this happened through, um, through Jess's job. My wife, uh, for those of you that don't know this, my wife works in the public school system. She works at this school, actually. She's one of the assistant principals, and so, um, or assistant president, um, if you ask my kids. So uh, <laughs> she's one of the assistant principals here. And, um, and so as, a, as, you know, she taught here for 10 years, and then I said we were in South Carolina for a little while, and then we came back, and she took the job as the assistant principal. And um, as an assistant principal, you don't get the honor roll kids sitting down in your office, okay? You get the kids that are struggling sitting down in your office. You get the kids that have been kicked out of their, their, their classroom sitting down in your office. And so she, and she loves that about her job because that's the, those are the kids she's most passionate about. She just loves it. She feels like she can mo- do the most good with those kids, I guess, maybe is the, the, the thing to say. And, and, uh, 
And what she noticed, and she would come home and she would tell me stories, you know, these kids and why they ended up in the office and the backstory, because there's always a backstory to why they ended up. It's, it's never actually the thing that they did. It's always something that happened before that. And, and what she always found, um, time in and time out, was that the reason they were sitting in her chair was not because they forgot to bring their book to class or because they acted out or because they pushed a kid or whatever. The reason they were in her office is because something was wrong at home. It's always something at home. It's always mom and dad can't get along or, or I'm living with grandma and she doesn't know how to raise me. I don't know if you realize this, but in uh, the last statistic I heard, don't quote me on this because I'm not the source, but uh, the last statistic I heard is that um, 23% of the kids in the Rowan County schools are living with someone other than their biological parents. So that's one out of four kids are living with someone other than their biological parents and in a lot of cases are struggling. Or, or Mom and dad are strung out. Heard this one crazy story. I've told this one many times. I won't go into detail on it. But the kid, you know, he's, he was just doing the best he could to help out his family. And his mom comes home drunk and her boyfriend comes home high and kick him out of the house. And now he's out of the house without shoes and shirt. And, and he's trying to figure out where he's going to stay that night, you know. And then he goes to school the next morning and he gets in trouble because he didn't have his book in class, you know. So these are the kind of stories that we're constantly hearing. And, and what we realized as we looked at uh, the ministry God had given us over the years and what we were passionate about and what God had given her as her ministry here is that the most effective way for us to help our community, if God wants us here, the most effective way we can do that is by helping families. It's the most effective way. Whether that means equipping families or providing family to people that don't have it. Either way, it's the most effective thing that we can do for our community. And so we felt like God told us as a couple, this is what you're supposed to do. And we were like, great. How? <laughs> you know, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean that we does it mean that we start a nonprofit? Does it mean that that Jess keeps working at the school and I maybe I find a job in the school system somewhere and we do it that way? Does it mean we find a church that's doing this really, really well and we hook up with them and, and do ministry with them? How do, what does this look like? And so we started praying about that. And as as God walked us through our history and our passions and our giftedness, it became clear that the right thing for us to do was to start a church. And I'll never forget the, the moment that that uh, dawned on us or where, where Jess and I finally agreed on that or said it out loud. I don't know how to say that exactly. Um, but we were driving up to the mountains. Someone had graciously uh, paid for us to go to a cabin for two nights in Asheville area um, so that we could pray about this and think about it and come to a decision. And we were literally we were driving out there. We're on Highway 40, um, right in front of Statesville, going, going through Statesville. We just got on Highway 40, and we're heading out. And Jess looks over to me, and she said, she said, hey, she said, why are we going? I said, well, we're going because we're trying to hear from God on what, what he wants us to do. And she looked back at me, and she said, we already know what he wants us to do. I was like, we do? She said, she said, yeah, we already know what he wants us to do. I was like, you're right, we do. She said, why don't we spend the next, day's fig- next two days figuring out how to do it instead of, instead of dancing around whether we're going to. I was like, okay, so it's on. So we spent the next couple of days starting to dream about what Carolina Family Church was going to be. And uh, we've been a part of different kinds of churches in our history. I would imagine all of you have been a part of different kinds of churches too. And uh, as you go through, as you walk through a journey like that and experience different environments, you kind of learn what works and what doesn't work, what's healthy and what's unhealthy, what feels right and what doesn't feel right, and what, um, what's in tune with your passions and giftedness and what's not in tune with your passions and giftedness. And so we started processing through that and developing this idea of what Carolina Family Church would be or what Carolina Family Church could become. 
And it's interesting when you're, when you're dreaming about something in the future, okay? And, and you've probably all done this in one way or another, church or anything else. You know, it could be a, a business you started, a relationship you're looking for or getting into or whatever, what school you're going to go to or whatever it might be. You start dreaming about the future. All of the thoughts that you have are aspirational. You don't know whether they're actually going to happen or not. You don't know whether it's actually going to turn out the way you envisioned it in the first place. So when we first decided that, that it was going to be a church, and we didn't know who was going to be a part of it, and we didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, and we started developing this idea of who we were going to be as a church. We were going to be a church that helped families. We were going to be a church that, that operated as a family. And I got to be honest, I went to, um, this is not like the old naysayer testimony everybody gives, like musicians are always like, everybody said I couldn't do it. So it's not like that. Um, or if you ever watch Chopped, how many of you watch Chopped? Right? You know, like every chef that goes on there is like, my dad told me to get a real job, but I was just like, I'm going to do, I'm going to be a chef, it can be a real job. So, uh, but, but I'm not, it's not that kind of story. But as I went and I talked to other pastors about what we were doing and saying, hey, we're going to be a church that helps families, what I consistently heard from people was, dude, I think that's too narrow. I think it's too, I think you're going to isolate people. You're going to isolate people who don't have a family. You're going to isolate people who, uh, you know, are empty nesters or are divorced or whatever because they would say, well, I don't have a family to help. And, um, and uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, every time I talk to someone like that, and they, I know what they were doing. They were like, they wanted our church to survive. <laughs> and they were thinking, it's hard enough for a church plant to survive, but if you isolate people, if you get too narrow with your vision, well, then you, you know, you kind of, you put one nail in the coffin, so to speak, if you do that. So they were, they were, you know, good, good hearted in doing it. But as I, as we kept hearing that, I just felt like, no, this is what God wants us to do. God wants us to help families. And those can look like a lot of different things. And like I said, it could be being a family for people who don't have one. And so we said, well, what's this church going to be like? And so um, we read through the New Testament and we looked at the character of Jesus, the characteristics of Jesus, and actually wrote them all down, categorized them all, and boiled them all down to six things. And we said, if, if our church could be these six things, it could change our entire community. We said, if our church can be honest, that means that we're real. It means that when people see us, they believe. It's like I always use the, um, the analogy of a musician, that when a musician plays a song, you can tell whether it's honest or not, right? You can tell whether it's a song that somebody else wrote for them to perform or whether it's their song. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their body language. You can see it in the way that they sing it and the emotion that they bring across when they, when, when they perform it. And when people meet us as a church, the thought was, I want people to meet us and say this is honest. They're living what they're writing. They're, they're singing what they believe. They are, they are who they say they are. And they are at church, who they are at home, and who they are at school, and they are at work. You could use the word authentic if you wanted to use that word. But we always said if, a church, if our church could be honest, that would make a difference. We said if our church would be gracious, that would make a difference. A church where people can come and they don't feel judged for their past or their present, but instead seen for their future. That if, that if people come to be a part of our church family, we don't hold what they've done against them, but rather talk about where they can go, then that can make a difference. Gracious. We said our church needs to be humble. Jesus was humble. Jesus, of all the people who ever lived, there's nobody who should think more highly of themselves than Jesus. 
right? I mean, we put ourselves up on a pedestal and don't deserve to be there. Jesus could have put himself up on a pedestal because he did. (laughs) He lived a sinless life. He gave himself on the cross for us, the ultimate act of sacrifice so we could be forgiven of our sins if we put our faith in him. And he rose from the grave. So if you can raise yourself back to life, that's, you know, you have some right to be arrogant, I would say, prideful. Uh, So he didn't do that, though. Jesus was perhaps the most humble person who ever lived. We said, if we could do the same, if we could not put ourselves on a pedestal, if we could not think that we personally are more than we are and make those decisions organizationally, that our church is not something that needs to be held up on a pedestal either, then we could really change some things. Honest, gracious, humble. We said, if our church was generous, if our church was generous, I mean, that means that, that, that we are personally, that we live open-handed and live with generosity, but that we as an organization are open-handed too. Like we don't sell t-shirts, we give t-shirts away. Little things like that that make a difference. That, that, that when the middle school is having a dance and they need a sound system, we'll just let, her, let them use ours. And when they ask us how much the rent is on it, we'll say zero. You just use it, you know. Just things like that, that if we can live generously as a church, then instead of being seen as selfish, that could make a difference. We said, if, if we could make a church where we are hungry, and so we're going to eat today. So you, you hungry? I <laughs> hope you didn't eat breakfast. Um, no, not that, right? That is good. Eating together is fun. But, uh, but hunger, I'm talking about spiritual hunger. And this is, when I, when I look across the landscape of American Christianity, this is what's missing, is a, a personal spiritual hunger and desire to know more about God, to find hope, to live free, and to do good. To a personal drive and passion rather than just sitting back and waiting for it to come to us. We go and get it rather than it coming back to get us. And so we said, if we could do that as a church and we could assemble a group of people that are hungry for spiritual growth, and honoring God, we can make a difference. We can make a difference. Yeah. And, uh, and then we said, if we could have a church that was committed, if we could have a church that would committed, we would make a difference. Hey, you look at families, what's, the, what's one of the biggest things missing? Commitment. And if we're, if we're really going to, if we're going to have a church where we say that we're going to be your family, okay? If you don't have a family, we got you covered. And, and if you need help with your family, with parenting your kids, or with being a husband or a wife or, or uh, a father or a brother or sister and understanding how to relate to your parents or your grandparents or whatever, if you don't know how to manage finances and it's wrecking your family, if you need help with any of that, we're going to help you. But if we say, and this is me and this is you, this is all, this is all of us, if we say, I'm on board with that, I'm going to help, we got to be around to do it, you know? If we, like, like think about our kids who are, who are being served in Carolina Kids right now. We're gonna, we'll talk... Um, in just a minute, someone's going to come up and talk about that a little more. Um, but uh, our kids right now that they're in there being served, they are building the foundation of spiritual growth for the rest of their life. And so when we say, hey, I'm serving those kids, I need to do it. And I need to be there. And when the kids come in, they want to see me every single week. They want to know I'm going to be there. They need to know that they can count on me. So we said, hey, if we could be committed, that's really going to make a difference. And the most incredible thing to me, um, I just, actually, I just want, let me read this scripture to you. And I just want to see if this sounds anything like what we're talking about. It's Acts um, chapter 2. This is a classic, like, foundational church stuff. Um, Acts 2. Sorry, I got to do it one-handed. You could probably beat me there using two. You might beat me there get using one, depending on how good you are. Uh, so Acts chapter 2, verse 42, said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So remember, I think every church looks at that example of right after Jesus ascended back to heaven and the church really began and, and um, looks at that example and says, we want to be that. And I think as we look at the values we hold as a church, it really fits in with what we see there. And we said, we want to be that. And one of the most encouraging things for me as a pastor is to know that before we started, it was aspirational. And then what happened was we shared that with, with many of you and you jumped on board and you said, yes, me, yes, us. We want to do that too. We want to be a part of that too. And as God brought this family together, and as I look back over the last year, that's what we are. We don't need to change our core values because they are our values. We've taken them on personally, and we've taken them on together as a church, and it's making a difference. And so what I want to do right now is I want to bring a few people up on stage that are going to share with you so you don't need to listen to me talk um, much more. Um, And they're going to share a little bit about their story and also about how the church over the last year has impacted them and their family. All right, so we're going to start with uh, Leo. Now his name's Raul, but I said I'm going to call you Leo, right? So yeah, call him Leo. Um, but he's going to share a little bit. Particularly, you're going to talk about the kids. Carolina program. Kids. Yeah, yeah, Carolina kids. So there you go. Good morning. Um, not prepared for this. That's a hard <laughs> act to follow. Um, two days ago, John calls me in my office and says, hey, um, read what you wrote about uh, your daughter, Carolina kids, and uh, like you to speak. I said, well, I don't have time between now and then to prepare, so here I am. I'm prepared, so I'm going to speak with my heart, and that's all I can do. So uh, we started here from the beginning um, a year ago, and uh, <clears throat> Gianna uh, went over to the Carolina kids. We didn't know much about it at that time. And as we started engaging with her over time, we realized that the influences there were incredible. I mean, incredible. There's no words to even describe. I'll share some really short tidbits about that uh, to speak to what I'm talking about. But um, in the past, it's been a bit of a struggle. And and I want to be careful how I communicate this. These lights are bright, y'all, so I'm looking down. I need sunglasses. (laughs) So what y'all do? How do you play up here? You know... And and again, I want to be careful how I communicate this because it's probably more so for the lack of um, uh, having volunteers and stuff like that. But some of the places we've been to in the the past, it's more the the kids club, if you will, for better use of terms, is is like a daycare. Good, bad, or indifferent. That's what it is. And, And it's okay if they say that's what it is, but they're not being spiritually fed. Okay? And again, I feel sorry for those churches because it's probably because they don't have people helping and volunteering. Well, that's not the case here. Um, Carolina Kids is, is a well-oiled machine. It's incredible. Um, it, it's, it's mind-boggling, really. And if any of you haven't experienced that or want to go take a look, uh, they can, you know, if you don't have kids, just to see what it's all about, it's incredible. Um, I had this vision, and I'm not going to do it because I said John would freak, but I was telling TJ, my wife, um, TJ's my nephew, by the way, uh, <coughs> that we would just go, go over there, but I see a lot of them here, and just applaud them and thank them for their efforts, because I'm probably gonna get emotional, but th- what they do is just incredible. Um, it's not about all the fancy gadgets and what they do, because they got a lot of stuff there. They've got this Parent Q app, which I was reading this morning, 
and, and they've got a script and the things they do, but it's really not about that. And that's why I wanted to come up here and just go off the cuff and tell you, it's about the love. It's incredible, the love that they pour on these kids. It's incredible. She gets greeted every morning by hugs and kisses, and they're genuine. To his point, what he said earlier, it's genuine. The kids feel it. They know it's real, okay? So when somebody loves my, it's easy for me to love my daughter. She's so cute. She sticks out that little lip. I love her. She can just trample all over me. It's easy. Right here, she's got me. But when somebody else loves my kid like that, these people, and here's the thing, guys. They're teachers. Most of them are teachers. They do that all week. Can you imagine? Saturday and Sunday, I'm done. I'm ready to give them back. <sighs> and then they go and they, they get more all weekend with those kids. Man, I, you know, I take my hat off. So let me give you a you know, again, this is not, I didn't, I got nothing here. I didn't plan any of this. But I wanted to tell you a couple of really quick short stories. They're short, a couple of sentences about some of the things. One of the things I wrote my, in my letter that I remembered was, and I'm going to be honest, and y'all don't tell a lie here in church. There was a couple of mornings that Amanda and I, and we're pretty busy like everybody else. We, we were like, man. And we live in Lexington. We make the trip. We think it's worth it. I'm like, I don't want to get up this morning. da, 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 da. Well, here comes Gianna, all percadilly, down the hallway. She's dressed already, ready to go. And she says, what are y'all doing in bed? And I said, we're sleeping. <laughs> well, it's time for church. I said, I know. So here I start with the excuses. And y'all, we've all been there, right? You know, you had a late night the night before, whatever the reason is. Well, she, she sat there and she was like, we're not going. And this actually happened twice, I'm going to be honest. And she literally was... John's like, huh? No, I love being here. She was literally by the door. No exaggeration, y'all. This is a true story. It, it crushed me. Sitting by the door, outside the door. She wasn't throwing a temper, a temper tantrum. She was weeping by the door because she wasn't coming. She has made it very clear to me that this is her favorite part of the week. Period. Period. Bar none. She says it all the time, right? It's, it's her favorite part of the week. Come on. With NCAA basketball going on and everything. <laughs> Favorite part of the week? We're getting ready. For, yeah, just, it's crazy. So that and, and a couple of little tidbits, too. Some of the things my wife and I were just talking about. Um, we were in a Christian bookstore in Greensboro a couple of weeks ago, walking around trying to find a gift for my, parent, for my mom. And she comes up and she says, I want this. And it was a daily devotional, right? kind of a young girl's pink book, whatever. Right? We didn't say anything. She said she wanted that, and she said she was going to pay with her own money, but I, I paid. <laughs> I'm not that cheap. Cheap, but not that cheap. <laughs> and, she, and she reads it every morning. But what's, what's interesting about that is that I'm not influencing her to do that. I didn't tell her to do that. So evidently somebody's, you know, I mean, we, we, we have a part in that, but not in that. And she gets up every morning, and she reads her devotional. Y'all, she's being spiritually fed. Um, so it's, it's just, it's incredible. And, and the other little tidbit was the, the, the song. She loves to sing and dance, typical young girl. She's got plastered all over her walls. I mean, I get emotional thinking about this. She writes songs, and they're all her own songs. So she listens to Caleb all the time. And she comes here, and they sing and dance over there, too. And she writes her own songs. And they're on the wall, stuck, destroying the paint in the house now. And, and they're all over the place. And it's like, Jesus loves me unconditionally. And she writes these lyrics. Maybe she needs to get up here. 
So I'll stop there, but those are little stories behind to support what I'm saying. Uh, and, and also, uh, you know, in, in, the last thing I want to say is about Carolina Kids Club. Uh, and now I feel like I'm going to sell it, and I'm not. Um, but there's a thing called uh, Parent Q. And for the, some of the parents that are in here and really don't know what's going on and you want to get engaged, that's a good way to get engaged. Uh, it's a really cool app, but it's more than that. I mean, if you go in there, I was in there this morning reading. I already know what she's going to learn today, what the spiritual quote is, the whole nine yards. And I'll stop there, but there's a lot in there. There's, there's blogs. There's um, uh, little, little clips, uh, you know, uh, sermons or whatever that they talk about how to, how to deal with a teenage kid or how to deal with a family that has a, you know, a, a, a broken home or whatever. So there's just a lot of stuff for you as well. Not only the kids, but the thing of it with that is that it's an, it's an interactive tool that you can communicate with your kids for the rest of the week, okay? So they're not just being fed there and you drop them off, babysitting type thing, right? No, they go there, they're learning, and then you engage them the rest of the week, okay? And you have dialogue with them pertaining to the subject matter. So I'll stop there because uh, otherwise we're not going to have lunch today. <laughs> but I think I've said everything I want to say, and I uh, love y'all, and Hopefully we have another, another year. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really cool app. It's, you know, one of, the things, one of the things we're really passionate about is not just doing for, but equipping too. So um, that's, that's one of the reasons we have that app. It's the reason, Jose, I said, I said if you're a first-time guest, we're going to send you a free gift. That's a, a subscription to something called Right Now Media, which is an online video resource for you, uh, Bible studies and trainings and all kinds of good stuff. And so um, and we want to give that to you free. So we just want to equip you to do what God's called you to do. Okay, so thank you so much, Leo. Um, next, I'm gonna, we're going to hear from the Ebersold. So if Marie and AJ, this is Marie and AJ Ebersold. Um, they're actually on launch team. Okay, so they've been here since, in fact, I think you guys might have been the first family to come on board. Is that true? Yes. You might have told us to start the church yes. in the first place. So, <laughs> right, yeah, so that, that might be it too. But they're going to share a little bit. So. Yeah, this is bright. I'm AJ, just my wife Marie. Uh, we've been with the church since day one. Um, we served back in uh, Carolina Kids. Have a great time back there. Um, super excited. We heard the news of the church starting. Um, we kind of been floundering around a little bit, trying to find a home, and and had a feeling it was going to be it, but we'll get there. But I'm gonna give you a little backstory about me. Um, I did not grow up in church. I didn't go to church at all. Uh, weekends were for me. Um, at a young age, I'd say. 10, 11. I had the uh, fire and brimstone, as you would say, on the front porch with a church that I had tried out with a friend. Sent me inside in tears, crying, totally turned off from church. Uh, didn't have any kind of want to go back. Um, moved to North Carolina, started going with some friends, got into it, uh, got saved, got baptized. Um, and then kind of got turned off again with some stuff that was happening at a different church. And then met this little lady, got me back in church. Um, actually, I didn't start in church. I started going to a, a small group, loved it, tried to church out, loved it. Um, just drew a blank, yeah. <laughs> but, no, I'm good. Um, it's like the shirt says here, this is family. We heard about this. Uh, one thing I was missing personally was a lot of um, spiritual males in my life to uh, 
to connect with, have a community with, family with. Um, the past year, I can say one instance, I'll give you an example. I was having a tough time at work one week, and um, out of the blue, a buddy of mine just calls me, checks on me, says it's been laying on his heart to check on me. Um, that's just what it means. I mean, to have family, we're not just here on Sunday. It's family throughout the week. Um, community, I can turn to any one of these guys. And um, sorry, Leah, I love you, buddy. I just, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. I just, this is family. This is what our family needed. We were missing something. And then this past year, we have felt like our family has been full, overflowing, as, as I might say. Um, the kids have a great time coming here. They're actually super excited. We had a, almost had a chance of missing the cookout today, but uh, we told them that we were going to be able to make it, so they were super excited about that. It's just the excitement and the joy we have on Sunday mornings, like he said. Not every Sunday morning. Some, some Sundays are, are early, and it's, it's tough to get going, but as soon as we get here and I see the faces of everybody, it, it makes everything worth it. Uh, this past year has, like I said, it's been, it's been what our family has needed, and I'm going to pass it on to you. Can you all give them a round of applause for um, As he said, I'm Marie, and I'm going to try not to either get choked up because I hate being emotional in front of people or um, start coughing because I've been sick for like the last week and a half. So either of those things happen and I run off stage, then we're good. Um, I had a very different upbringing than AJ did. Um, I grew up in church my whole life. That's just what you did. But that's the problem is that's just what you did. You went to church on Sunday, and you went to church on Wednesday, and I loved my youth group, and I learned lots, and I was saved through that, but it never felt applicable. I never felt like my week was different because of church. Like, I was different, and I learned Bible verses, and that was great, but life's messy, especially as you get older. As a kid, life wasn't very messy, but as you get older, life's really, really messy, Um, and when life's messy, you need a community, You need a community of people who already believe what you believe and are willing to step in and give you biblical advice. Um, You need a community when you need something at 3 a.m. You need a community when you have kids and you've got to figure something out because something's not going right that week or something's not going right with them. There's just, if you don't have a community of believers who are like-minded as you, that hard life just gets harder. And I think too many churches, and I'm not going to speak negatively, I think all churches provide something for someone, and they have all good, great intentions, but too many churches are, it's a Sunday morning. It's an hour on Sunday morning, you go, and yes, you know people, and you're friendly, but I don't know how many of them are ever real with anybody. Nobody shows the ugliness and the darkness and all the things that are just hard to go through the rest of the week, and as AJ was trying to say, we were part... Anybody that knows us, John and Jess are our best friends, and we love them dearly. And we were so excited. I prayed for years that John would choose to start a church just because of his ability and Jess's ability to lead people, um, truly lead people. But we're not here to see them. I mean, we love them, and we get to see them. We're here because this is a community. This is a family for everyone, people who come here, and choose to get involved, whether it's serving, whether it's going to life groups or whatever it is, they find a community of people who will 
lift you up, who will support you, who will be with you and celebrate when things are great and be with you and help you when things are not. Um, so that's one thing. As a person who's believed since, I mean, like I said, you hear a lot of testimonies where it's like, oh, my life was terrible, and then I was saved. My, I've always, for my intents and purposes, have felt like I've been saved. So it's not that, but this church allows us to live it. Um, I feel like we are called to be in community with other believers, and I feel like also we are called to be able to serve with other believers. And again, it's kind of like some churches we went to, it felt like if you weren't in the original clique, then you weren't going to get that opportunity. But it's not like that here. So when they said we're going to start a church, AJ is absolutely right. Those last year and the few months before that, it was amazing. We felt like we were back at home spiritually um, because we couldn't find it at another church. We tried several other churches, and we're very strong believers, and we tried serving, and it's just something was missing. And being here, is it's family, and nothing feels missing anymore. Um, and I do. If you still feel like you're not connected, try just reaching out. Try going to a group. Try, you know, being on one of the teams just for a couple weeks and see if that might be the missing piece. Because I do think God calls us to serve, and this allows us to feel like we serve. Um, and Leo had me, like, halfway in tears back there because we're back there a lot, so you might not see us out here. Um, but I guess I don't ever see other people's perception of what we do because I don't look at it that way. I just, that's what we feel called to do. And it's an honor as a wife to watch my husband lead a group because I, I normally either am out there checking in or K1 or 2-3. I'm wherever it needs to be. But he consistently leads the 4-5 group. And we're not missing church because we're having church back there. So, yes, we have to watch the sermon later, and we have our, some of our spiritual growth, you know, isolated from this, you know, by we're watching it on when John publishes the video, but we're still doing church back there. We grow just as much. We're, at, we're applying just as much. So I know we've gone over time, so I'm going to wrap it up, um, and I'm going to give this back to John. Yeah, I just, real quick, I want to I wanna reiterate um, what Maurice, I mean, Mary said, she said she's so proud of AJ for serving back there. One of the things I think is really awesome, I just, historically in children's ministry, it's really hard to get dudes to serve, okay, <laughs> with the kids. For some reason, women are just ready to step up and do that, and guys take a little more uh, pushing, but it is so helpful for us to have guys back there. They are, they are incredibly influential. And there's, we, we have kids that come and spend time with us back here who don't have positive male role models in their life. And so, um, and uh, I was actually thinking about it, like my kids, if my kids didn't have a positive male role model in their life, I don't know where they'd get it because they go to Granite, right? And I think there's one male teacher. <laughs> Is it Mr. Mulkey? I mean, what? Mr. Mulkey's a, yeah, he's an, he's an assistant, right? But, but, and then, and that's it. So it's like, uh, we need, I, I want to have guys back here too, so that the kids can come and get positive male role models. So I guess I just want to, all the guys in here, I want you to think about that. All right. Um, be a great place to serve. And if you want, if you do want to be a part of our church, the quickest way to do that is to become a part of a, a team, to come and serve with us on the weekend and just get to know people that way. All right. Um, and it's probably the least intimidating of everything too. So there's lots of ways you can do that. But um, next I wanted to, to invite uh, TJ Lane to come up here. You might recognize TJ because he leads worship about half the time for us. Um, and he's got a story from his family that he is fully prepared to share. Yes. <laughs> fully prepared is an overstatement, but 
first of all, where's Marie? Marie, I'm getting sick now. I'm going to get sick. So I, no? Not infectious? Okay. All right. I'm just making sure because I'm a teacher and, you know, there are a lot of kids that I, what? We're both teachers is what I meant to say. Okay. So I'm going to jump right into it. Because as a teacher, I'm very aware of the time, and I'm also aware of how easy it is to lose your attention. So I'm going to try to jump, uh, just to jump right into it. So as a kid, um, from you know, around age three up until my adolescence, I, I went through a ton of abuse. And um, one of my natural defenses to that was to not trust anyone, because the abuse came from people who were really close to me. Um, so I put up a wall, and I spent most of my life not believing people, um, I think the way that I probably should have sometimes, but that kind of went with me as I started to look at churches um, around middle school age, because um, it's, it's difficult to find a church whose purpose is honest, as, as John said, and, and is obvious too, because people these days have so much stuff going on, um, so many things on their mind that it's difficult for them to think about anybody or anything other than themselves. So <clears throat> my issue was finding people to surround myself with that I could trust. And I found a guy in high school. His name was Grant Gilliard. He's my best friend, um, and he's like family to me now. But he was the first person who came along who I really felt like I could trust. And it just so happened that he was a Christian. So he invited me to church. And I like the church, but the exception, Grant was the exception in this church because to me, he was honesty. I could be, I could tell him everything that happened in my past. I could be totally open with him um, and he would be willing to listen and to pray with me. The rest of the church though, seemed like they had a lot of stuff going on. It was difficult to, to get people, you know, to surround myself with. So I bounced from church to church. At college, I went to a couple of churches, still difficult to get myself in there and feel comfortable. I come here and we got a group of people who I mean, it's, it's difficult to even put into words, but when I look at John Allen and Jess Allen and the others here that work for this church, I, I sense honesty and I sense how genuine they are. And I know that when they leave here, you know, they got other things that they're doing and other things that they're thinking about. But at the end of the day, their church is on their minds. Um, and just to give you a quick example, um, my family's kind of struggling around Christmas time and my tires they're awful. I kept coming late to practice, and I'd, I'd come in, and they say, where, are you, where, 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 where have you been? I'm like, in my driveway. My tire's flat, and that happened three weeks in a row, so I know like week three, they're thinking, okay, this guy's been just not showing up, so, but it really was the thing. It really was the tire, I promise, um, so there was a gentleman who said, well, look, your dad's buying you two tires. I'll get you a tire, and then you'll just need to find kind of the money for the other tire. So that happens, but then my wife's tire goes flat. And so I'm like, oh, gosh, I, I feel like a liar. Even though I'm being honest, I feel like every, I couldn't do it. So Christmas rolls around, and we get randomly an envelope on the way out of church one day that has uh, a picture of a tire on it and $280, which is exactly the amount we needed to get my wife's tires replaced. So if that doesn't say genuine to you, and I, I mean, I didn't ask for that. I didn't, you know, complain about the tires being flat. I just simply said they're flat. And these people took it upon themselves to whoever they were that did that. Um, I mean, it's just honest, and it's just genuine, and I feel so loved, and I'm honored to have my family here, and I trust you guys with my family, kids and all. I have two small girls and one 14-year-old boy, but... I love it here. And that's all I have to say, because what is there, potato salad and things waiting for us? Yeah. No? Chicken? Nothing that'll go bad. Right. 
Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you, TJ. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> you know, I, everything that they said rings totally true with me, and I feel the same thing. And um, yeah, I just want to want to tell you a moment of of real transparency, I suppose. Um, I've been a part of churches in the past, good churches, and, and every church has good and bad. Um, but in the past, whenever someone came up to me and said, how are things going? When I was at other, with other ministries, they said, how are things going? I would say, oh, it's amazing. And out of my mouth came the words, it's amazing. But in my head, there was always a but that I wouldn't say. There was always this tension that existed where I was excited and I was happy, sort of. But there was this thing I was worried about or this thing I was concerned about or whatever. And for the first time in my life in ministry over the last year, when people come up and they say, how are things going with Carolina Family Church? I go, they're amazing. And there's no but in the back of my head. It's just the words that are coming out of my mouth are actually honest and true. And I looked at Jess the other week and I was like, it's just never been this good for us in ministry. Like, I mean, we deal with stuff like any church deals with stuff because life is messy and we got to work through that stuff. But there's none of that. There's none of that subscript that's happening. It's just like, it's just all honest and out in the open and it's all good. And so um, I'm just, I am, like I said, when we said, when we decided we were going to start this church, it was aspirational. And now we look back and we say, man, it is what we wanted it to be. And, and I genuinely tell you that I'm just honored that I get to be a part of the family with you guys, because, because you impress me time and time again with things that you, stuff like TJ was talking about with the, the tires. I'm like, yes, this is, this is good. This is what we do. This is who we are. Let's keep that going and keep it rolling. And let's just, hey, listen, and, and let's, let's remember too. Okay. Year one under the belt. Okay. Honeymoon phase. All right. Fair enough. We made it through the honeymoon phase where everything is roses and giggles and unicorns and lollipops. Right. So now now it gets we continue to get more and more real. And, and I think as Marie said, as life goes on, things get messier. So that's going to happen. And we just got to manage that with grace and all these values that we talked about. And um, I'm just excited because as we keep doing this, uh, we're going to keep seeing God do incredible things. So let me just finish that passage. I started reading from uh, Acts chapter two. Um, <clears throat> And this is kind of the continuing, I see, just see is this the continuing thing in verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And uh, so I just, I want to finish by telling you this. We've had an incredible year, 2017. And the first part, 18, was, was awesome. It really was incredible. We got a lot more years ahead of us. So what do we see for the next year? Well, I don't have anything. I'm like, some of you are like, is he going to say we're getting a building? No. <laughs> nope. We're staying here. But uh, not that. <laughs> it sounded like a big announcement. I built it up like an announcement. It's not an announcement. Um, it's not that. No, there's one thing. If I, if I can have one prayer, I know we're going to continue growing together as a family. I know we're going to continue being those, those six values that we've discussed. I know we're going to keep doing that. I'm not, I'm not concerned about that at all. If there's one thing that I could pray for in this coming year, and if you could make this your prayer too, I would pray that in this coming year, we see more people get saved through the ministry of this church. 
Okay, more people. I, we had, it's incredible. We had several this past year, and that's incredibly exciting. And I just want to see more and more and more. As we read the scripture, it says they did all of this stuff, and God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so the way that we're going to do that, we're going to keep doing everything just like we're doing it. Okay. But the way that we're going to do that is by putting an emphasis this year on bringing our friends to be a part of this family with us. Whether that means asking them to serve with you or bringing them to a group or bringing them to a service or whatever that may mean. I want you, as we go into this next year, if you're part of our family, to start thinking about the people in your life that need a family. That need to become a God's family. That need to become part of a church family. And I want you to begin thinking about how you are going to bring them to be a part of this family. We've created, a, this last year, we've created a really, really incredible foundation. And I believe that, we, that God has given us the capacity to serve more and more people in our church. And so um, it's, it's about the growth of God's family. I want to encourage you to think about that. So that's part of the reason behind the shirts. You know, not only is it a way for you to identify with the church, but someone may say, what does that mean? What's that all about? And you can tell them about it. Um, if you go out today, and I said, you know, all over the place, you're going to find these little circular um, these little, I, I was joking that a stack of these invite cards looks a little bit like a can of dip. So like you just put that in your pocket, you know, let it wear, you know, wear a spot in your pocket and people are like, is that a can of dip in your pocket? You're like, no, that's a stack of invite cards. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Why don't you come join us? You know, no, but uh, <laughs> they also act as coasters, but um but those are out there. Take as many as you want. We got a ton of them. So and they have our mission on them. They got some info about the church. It's a great way to invite people, put them out at restaurants, whatever you want to do with them. But let's just, let's focus this year on growing our family together and see more people get saved. We're going to see more and more people get baptized and we're going to have a really great year ahead of us. All right. And so uh, what I want to do is we're going to, we're going to, uh, I'm going to close this and I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a couple songs. And these songs are all about, um, about salvation. And I just want to put this on our minds and on our hearts as we we look forward to what God's going to do in this coming year. Okay, so let's pray together. God, we love you and um, thank you. We thank you that you, uh, in your gracious, loving kindness, sent your son, Jesus Christ, to us. Jesus, we are thankful for your life, the way that you lived, the way you set an example for us, that, that you lived without sin. And in doing so, you set yourself up to be the perfect sacrifice for our sin on the cross. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you willingly went to the cross. You willingly gave your life in substitution for ours. That you paid for our sin on the cross. And that as we turn to you in faith, as we believe in your death, and we believe in your resurrection, that you forgive us of all of our sin, and you welcome us into your family. And I thank you that not only, God, do you welcome us into your family, but that you put us together as a family so that we can love each other, so we can learn to live the way that Christ lived. And I thank you specifically for this church, for this family that you brought together, for all that you've allowed us to do over the last year, for the relationships that you've allowed us to build, for the people who've come to faith in you as a result of the ministry, for the people who've decided to be baptized as a result of the ministry, for the level of honesty and generosity and humility and commitment and graciousness and hunger that you have built up into this church. And we just want to see that continue as we go forward in ministry. We have many, 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 many more years ahead of us. So, God, our prayer is that as you draw us together, that the gospel, the good news of how you love us and forgive us and bring us into your family, that that can be at the center of our hearts, that we can focus on that and how we can bring other people into the fellowship with us. 
We love you and we thank you. We're looking forward to that. And now we're going to sing about that love. It's in your name we pray. Amen.